0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome here for Memorial Day weekend. Uh, my name is Gary, and I have the lesson today. Before we get started this morning, we've been in the middle of a series on why church, and tomorrow we're, we're talking about the different things that we do together as a church, um, specifically. But I, I have to tell you a story before we get started because it is just such an incredible story of the power of God, and one to praise God. And I just—I've been dying to share it. Some of you probably are familiar with this. Um, before I tell this story, though, I have to ask a question, ask you to to think for yourself, be honest if you if you uh, about this. But what would you think, or what would you think it would need to happen if you heard and knew for a fact that we had a homeless person living on the property here? Okay. What would, your, what would your thoughts be of what needs to happen? Or what you would need to do personally? Okay, and I, I, I say that because that happened here. Okay, most of you probably weren't aware of it. Uh, it happened in the past and I was kind of aware about it. I heard about it. And then, it you know, forgot about it. And back, uh, it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, four weeks ago now, uh, the first weekend in May, May second, uh, I'm coming from the back, and Danny Gill is back by the large air conditioner, back by the back doors, and he says, "Hey, that homeless teenage kid's living under the air conditioner again." Okay, and I, and then it dawns on me, oh yeah, I heard about this. I heard about this, and we're and we're we're sitting there talking. You could tell Danny's like, "What am I, I going to do about this?" Danny kind of looks over the property some, takes care of the parking lot, that kind of stuff. He's like. What do I need to do? And very quickly, I must confess, my initial thoughts, feelings were, "How do we get rid of this situation?" I mean, that's my first thought. And later, I confirmed with Danny that was his. How do we get this off? And you may, and so I ask you, what are your thoughts? Because there are some real considerations here. Okay, there's a certain amount of mental. Disease that can go along with homelessness. There is drug addictions that go along with homelessness. There is crime that goes along with homelessness. And literally, where this young man was staying was literally within 20 feet of where our families walk. If you park in the block parking lot and you walk forward, and so there are real considerations. And so Danny and I are having this thought: How do we, how do we resolve this situation? And honestly, just being blunt, how do we get him off the property? And while Danny and talking, I'm, I said, Danny, we need to figure out how do we represent Jesus to this kid? And he said, well, what do you mean? He goes, I said, I don't know. Why don't you get in there and you find out what's going on? He's homeless for a reason. There's a story to this kid and we don't know what it is and maybe we can find it out. I think that's what Jesus would do. And Danny's like, well, yeah, but you know, nobody, he runs away whenever, whenever somebody tries to approach him. Nobody can talk to him. I said, well, maybe it's going to take some time. Maybe you're going to have to leave him some food. I don't know, but I think this... Will... And Danny's very quickly, yeah, we need to do that. He later on has a talk with Tim, and Tim's first response is, we need to get him off the property. And Danny says, Gary thinks we need to help him. And he goes, yeah, we need to help him, but we need to get him off the property. I'm sorry, Danny, you going to have to open it up again for me. Okay. A week goes by. It's Mother's Day weekend, and Danny gets a call uh, on Saturday before Mother's Day. He gets a uh, or he 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 comes up here. He leaves a Tupperware dish with food in it, with food in it, and a note and a gift card to McDonald's. Okay, and some things. Danny is sick the next morning. He doesn't come to church. It's Mother's Day, and and Tim calls him uh, after church. He says, "Hey, that kid's here, and nobody can get close to him." Danny gets in his truck and he comes up here and he pulls up next to the air conditioner where the kid can't get away. <laughs> and he rolls down his window and he says, hey, my name's Dan. And I'm the guy that left you that Tupperware. And this is the kid that's running away from everybody comes out and starts talking to Danny and starts telling him a story. And Danny, Danny gets me on the phone. And, what do we want to do? And, and Danny ends up going back. He takes him to McDonald's so he can get something to eat. He ends up, I'm, I'm trying to be brief here, ends up going and buying the kid a tent and a sleeping bag. He asked me about it and I said, yeah, but making, him, making him pack it up every night. You know, don't, we don't want a tent city out back. Okay. And Danny's, Danny's telling him his story and get, he has Danny's phone number and Danny's looking to help him in every possible way. Give me this, give me this. Yes. I had the, letter pulled up, but I the next day, I'm trying to be brief. The next day, Danny gets this message. He says, hello, my name's Emily. I'm the girlfriend slash kid's mom of the man who was staying behind the church. I just wanted to let you know that he has turned himself in for, to the police for charges that he's been running from since 2019 in order for him to get his life together And you are what gave him hope that he could change his life around. He's been on the streets since he was 18, struggling with addiction, and he is now 21, facing the darkest times of his life. Listen to this, folks. I prayed over him. Prayed for him to make a change and to see God's light. The very next day, you left him that note and showed him that there is still good people in this world that care about others. He was giving up on life, but your kindness pushed him to want to change. Is that an amazing story of the power of God when we try to represent Jesus in people's lives? Side note, he's off the property. Okay, he's in jail. And Danny's been in touch with him. And guys, you want to talk about a good Samaritan story? Danny didn't stop there. He, since he's been in jail, he's, he's put lots of money on his books, so to speak, so he can make phone calls. And Danny's been in touch with him. Danny took all of his stuff that was back there, took it home to his house. I would have took it to a laundromat. He washed it all. You want the particulars of that story? Ask Danny. Packed it all up with the tent and the sleeping bag. He talked to Mark Landon, who who heads up churches on the streets in this area. Was Mark here this morning? Mark, you, you were part of this, okay? You were part of this. Danny consulted Mark about this. Guys, later on I talked to uh, Dave Berger. I was at a funeral where Dave Berger was at and I was showing him the text message. Dave's a local minister at the church that I grew up going to. And he was just like, wow. He's taking responsibility for himself. That's huge, monumental in the life of a homeless person. But Danny's continued to be in touch with him. It seems he met a guy in prison that he knew from the past who has invited him to stay with him when he gets out of prison. Or gets out of jail anyway. Uh, though he's wanting to take responsibility for his crimes and go straight from the county prison, county jail to prison. And so guys, just an amazing story that is still unfolding. His name is Jordan, by the way, if you would like to be praying about him. And I've just been incredible story guys, incredible. And I just wanted to start the service with that this morning. And I hope you are, uh, praising God about that guys, homeless story. You you don't, you don't hear stories like that very often. And it's just amazing to see what happens when you truly decide that you want to be Jesus in people's lives. And so that's it, guys. Anyway, back to our, our, our sermon series here this morning. We're talking this morning about sharing worship. Uh, we've been talking about why church. And uh, the first week Alan talked about attending. Do you want to, do, do you, do you attend a church or do you belong to the church? You know, are you an attender on Sundays or are you a belonger? Okay, The Bible does use the word member, not the way we think of member, but, are you, but you are attached, like a member of your body, like your fingers are to your hands. Member. Which are you? And then the next week he talked about how we need others. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on. And uh, last week, uh, Mike talked about sharing hope. I was sick, I was not here, so I didn't get to hear that one. And today I'm talking about sharing worship. Now guys, when we talk about worship, I, I, this is a, this is a problem area for me. Okay, I, I have a real problem with traditions and things, we're just doing things by rote and doing things as we're supposed to and putting labels on things and feeling good about things and, and, and we're missing the heart of the situation. Years ago, I'm going back 35 years when I first started getting my life together and really living out my commitment to follow Jesus. You know, one of the things that we, in the group that I was in at the time, and we talked about a lot, was it's not a worship service. We shouldn't just limit our worship to Sunday morning. Some people refer to what we are doing right now as a worship service, and it's like we shouldn't do that. And we look at Romans chapter 12, verse one, where it talks about our life being a sacrifice, being a sa- living a sacrificial life, which is our spiritual worship. Okay, And worship should be a lifestyle. Worship should be everything we do. But the truth of the matter for me, I've had a hard time just putting a definition to the word worship. Because of this. Now, bright side is I've discovered that I'm worshiping a lot more than I thought I was. (laughs) But I don't know about you, what do you think of when you think of the word worship? What does it entail? What is it involved? A kiss towards. That is the traditional definition and that is accurate. What does that mean? Can you, can you expound on that at all, Nathan? Not yet. <laughs> that is what I have heard years and years. It is decided as a kiss towards. It's a lot deeper than that. It's a lot more than that as we're gonna, we're gonna dig into and I'm gonna work very hard to get us out of here in a decent time today, okay? Um but guys, it's just, it's just a struggle that goes on. And one of the articles I read, uh, it talked about there being five vital parts of worship, and I'm trying to find the article real quick because I had it up pulled up here, and it was, yeah, there it is. Uh, five vital parts of worship because I can only think of four of them off the top of my head. One of them is praying, duh. One of them is singing. I think that's the one we think of the most, isn't it? You know, their songs are described as worship songs. We have a worship team and a worship leader. Okay. Also, uh, uh, communion is considered in this article that I wrote anyway, and this is a very popular five vital parts of worship. Communion is part of that. The preaching is part of that. This is worship right now. This doesn't feel like worship to me, or what I always think would traditionally have thought of as worship. Okay. Giving. Well, they gotta throw that in there because we need money, right? These are the five vital parts of worship. But guys, and I think anybody can admit this, if you've been around at all, it's very easy to see. Is it possible that you would be involved in all five of these activities and never worship God? See, it's not a matter of just the activity. There's something more involved there. There's something more to it. And guys, that's what, when it gets to worship, That's why I've struggled with it. What does it mean? You know, I'm not one to get up, you know, uh, I don't want to just, to have us come in here and have this, uh, rock concert style, uh, worship time. And we're all filed up and we come up with this emotional feeling, which I can do. I'm subject there. I like singing. I like music. The truth of the matter is that I can get that same emotional feeling listening to She some mornings. Okay? And the, and the sad truth is that that alone, that emotional feeling from having this rock concert worship service or worship time, may or may not do much to change me. May or may not have an influence on me being transformed into the likeness of Christ which is what it should be. And so guys, I'm not knocking these things. I'm not saying they're not worship. I'm saying there's more to it than what we just look at on the surface. And when you dig into the Bible, guys, when I dug into this, I'm just scratching the surface This my goal today is for us to look at a working definition of what worship is. And if we're not worshiping, to choose to start worshiping. Or to worship more, and to not see it as just right here, right now. So, guys, what I want to talk about the the Bible is is has a wide range of things when you when you look at worship. You look up the word, and it's about you know you do a word search on your on your Bible software, or if you pull out a concordance and you look up worship. It's going to be there a whole bunch of times. I'm 250 to 300 times, depending on your translation. A wide range of things happen when you look at it. You see God giving specific instructions slash laws for how he wanted to be worshipped uh, to the Jewish nation after they 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 came together and as a as a group were, were was a more formal structured uh dare i say religion don 't like using that word but qualifies i suppose uh, they he gave him instructions on it. You see other situations prior to that where individuals, there's just spontaneous worship bursts out. You know, I think of Jacob when he's alone and he has this dream about uh, angels ascending and descending a ladder into heaven and he wakes up and he goes, oh my gosh, this is, this is the very portal of, of heaven. This is the place of God and I need to remember this place and he makes a commitment. It's a conditional commitment. He was immature in his faith, but he he just he he bursts out in worship. You see the same thing happening after the Red Sea. Though Moses wrote a song, so I'm not sure how spontaneous it was. You see another situation where Jacob, when he died, when he's dying, he's talking with his sons, and it says he worshipped as he leaned on his staff. Okay, and I think that was because he was so old; he there was no getting on his knees. (laughs) Alright, I think that's what it's saying. Another translation talks about him leaning on the head of his bed. And guys, there's a lot of things involved with worship. And so I want to talk about just four real quick facts about worship, and then we're going to talk about what is worship, and uh, we'll move on from there. First of all, first fact about worship is that Jesus expects me to worship. Alright, it's not one of these things that, well, I'm just not a good worshiper. You know, I can't sing. You know, if, if what Alan said up here about singing about God, we need to do it well. I can never worship because I don't sing very well. All right. We need to understand Jesus expects us to worship. God expects us to worship. Look at this passage here in John chapter four. And I, Invite you guys to go back and read this whole chapter. It's it's an incredible story. But in John chapter four, it says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You see guys, he's saying number one, this is what true worshipers would do. Jesus is saying this is the expectation that God is wanting us to be worshipers. And not only is he wanting to be worshipers, he is looking. Now that's, we could do, we could do a whole series on, on unpacking that right there. Okay, that God is seeking people. Normally we talk about us seeking God. God is seeking true worshipers. Do you want to be found by God? That's a side question. Second thing guys is that I choose what I worship. Okay? The Bible talks about worship of plenty of other things. The first one is in Colossians 2:18 where it talks about the worship of angels and there actually was in Colossae a cult about that it had to do or a sect that had to do with Worshiping angels. Uh, in Acts seventeen and in Acts nineteen, both situations you see them uh, reference to worship of other gods. And some of those are named. Uh, in Romans chapter one, it talks about worshiping creation, specifically worshiping the create, the cre what God created, instead of worshiping the Creator. And so guys, uh, they're, they're, we choose what we worship. You know, today, I think if we're honest, okay, we don't see a lot of idols, you know, other uh, religions with idols out front and, and, and different things being, you know, bowed down to and sacrificed to in the shape of a statue. We don't see a lot of that in this country, uh, but we do see other kinds of worship. You know, I think about, we, we see worship of sports and entertainment. Sports figures and entertainment figures. Okay? We see that where, man, we value them and we sacrifice to, to see them and to, uh, we, we quote them and repeat them and we hold them up. I see education being worshipped. Okay? I see money and the security that it brings being worshipped. I see career being worshipped. I see family and children worshipped. And I see our fears worshipped in some situations where we bow down to those fears. Guys, another thing that challenges, I believe, our faith without a doubt that you have seen in the last year or has become out in front in the last year is science. I I, And the term, I'm following the science, and we don't have to get into how many different directions the science will take you. Okay, but there are people, and I know some, whose science is the supreme authority. And if it cannot be resolved with science, or cannot be reconciled to science, it cannot be true. Which means faith is a struggle. Because science is supreme. Um, But guys, we choose what we're going to worship. It's not something that just spontaneously bursts upon us. Third thing, third fact about worship is my worship can be useless. This is pretty huge. And this is what I was talking about earlier, guys. But just because we go through the five vital parts of worship and participate in this, doesn't mean we're worshiping. Jesus said this in in Matthew chapter 15. He says, These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from Me. They worship Me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules." Get that, guys? They worship Me in vain. Is that scary to you? To think that deeply religious and committed people, that our King can look at them and go, yeah, it's useless. And I think he warned about this uh, primarily in Matthew chapter 7 and Matthew, Matthew 25, among other places. But where he talks about judgment, and there are people saying, Lord, Lord, we did these wonderful religious acts in your name, and he's gonna say, I don't know you. What's he telling them? It was useless. It is useless. So, guys, as we as we seek to understand worship, we need to know that. And the fourth thing, guys. That I think a fact about worship and I alluded to this earlier is that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not merely an act. We can have acts of worship and I believe we have many acts of worship as we go through our lives. But read this passage here guys in Romans chapter 12. This is what it says. It says, "Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. He goes on, this isn't in your notes or on the screen, but he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Do you think maybe there's a connection between this transformation that he talks about in verse two and living our lives, or having a lifestyle of worship that he talks about in verse one? Could there be a connection there? How many of you, could there be a connection between? A lifestyle of worship and knowing the will of God in your life. See guys, that's one of the biggest questions I've heard over the years is how do I know the will of God for me? I don't think you have a lifestyle of worship, the will of God becomes known to you. And that's just a side note guys, I kinda added that this morning. Uh, but those are the, there's four, just four simple facts that jump out at me as we were looking at this. So then the question comes up, guys, what is worship? Uh, Nathan, a, a while ago, says, a kiss towards. And if you see in your notes, I believe he's got it on the screen, maybe not. It's uh, the Greek word, and there's, there's multiple Greek words that are translated worship. There's at least three of them that I found. But this is the basic kind of definition. It says, to do reverence or homage by kissing the hand. Back to what he was talking about a kiss towards. In New Testament, to do reverence or homage by prostration. Okay, which is bowing down, falling on the ground. That's what prostration is. Um, he goes on it says, "...to pay divine homage, worship, adore, to bow oneself in adoration." How many of you've used the word homage this week in a in a conversation? Anybody? Did you notice how that word kept jumping out there? Okay, and that was one of those words. It's kind of like the politician said about pornography a long time ago. He said, well, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I want to see it. You know, and homage is one of those words. I think about. Can you think of a movie where you where the word homage might have been used? Braveheart is the only one that came to my mind. Okay, where they had this lord system in Scotland back in the day, and the different um, peasants, shall we say, or farmers, would pay homage to a certain lord, which meant they were under that lord's. They worked, lived, perhaps lived on that lord's land, and they that lord vowed to protect them, and they had to pay homage regularly, which was typically a portion of their crops. Or in the time of war, they had to pay homage by going to war with the Lord. Okay? He was considered a vassal, which is what you see there below in the word homage. It's the relation thus established of a vassal. Again, anybody use that word this week? No? Uh, Which is a person holding a similar relation to a superior, a subject, a subordinate to his Lord. And guys, when you look at that, you see, it's not about the actions you take as much as it is the relationship that you have. That is what worship is about. Not activity, but relationship. You don't do, you do the activity because of the relationship. You bow down in prostration because Jesus really is your King. You sing songs about His glory and of our commitment to Him as King, not because they're snappy, okay? honky tonk donkey tonk is snappy. And I don't sing it because it's not worship. Or I can't twist it to become worship. How's that? Guys, that's what worship is. Now I come, it's more, it's more about my posture than it is about my activity. And I don't mean holding your back upright. And I don't mean bowing down in prayer, though those are totally appropriate. And times to be needed. But you see guys, if I'm standing up in a crowd and I have a thought of how wonderful God is, And how I want to serve Him more. And I'm just committing, God, I just want to keep serving You the rest of my life. I want You to keep taking care of me. See, I am bowing down before our God. And I am worshiping in that moment. And that's what worship is, God. Now, now I, I put my definition up on here. And this is what it says. It says, Gary's definition, I am worshiping when I recognize and acknowledge the all and wonder of God. Who He is, what He has done, and what He has promised to do. And pledge allegiance to serve Him in the circumstances of my life. See guys, I'm excited about this. If you notice, I threw that word allegiance in there and that's that's a word that I've been using a lot and talking about a lot and in in a lot of my lessons that we need to be daily reaffirming our allegiance to our King Jesus. We need to be acknowledging that and we we need to be killing our allegiance to ourself and strengthening our allegiance to Jesus. And guys, that's what you see when you see worship. If you go through the Old Testament and you run on these stories where, where something miraculous or something mind-boggling happens and people goes, I'm following you. You're God. I love it and in the Old Testament where, uh, was it Naaman that was cured of leprosy by Elijah? Naaman, and he wants to take dirt. After he's cured of leprosy, he wants to take dirt back to his homeland so that he can bring the dirt from the territory of God to bow down upon. And he wants forgiveness because he has to go into the temple of his Lord, a physical human being, and he has to bow down so this gentleman can bow down and help him. And he's going, don't hold this against me. I'm just fulfilling my, my job responsibilities, is really what he's saying. But in my heart, I'm only serving the God. I'm not going to worship any other God. And you see guys, that's what God is after when he talks about our worship as a lifestyle. You see guys, now when you think of worship, and I asked you to do that when we first started and I, I wish we, you know, everybody, I, I had somehow got people to, you know, think about this before you got here and what is worship and all that. But let me ask you real quick. That story I told in the beginning about Danny and me and us walking and having this conversation, how many of you as I told that story thought, now that's some worship going on there. Did that come to anybody's mind? didn't come to my mind. I mean, I didn't think I was worshiping until I started studying worship and understanding more clearly what it was about. And I'm like, we were worshiping God. We were taking our will to get this kid off the property, and we were submitting it together to the will of our King Jesus. That was our focus. Our focus was not on how do we resolve this problem. Our focus was on we have a King. And what does He want? And how do we represent Him because we have a relationship with Him and that's what we're all about and we've got to kill our desire. We've got to push our desire aside. Now interesting, He took care of our desire for us. That's, praise the Lord. It's just amazing what happens when we submit our will to our King and there's just this constant worship. You see guys, you can worship here on Sunday morning. Hopefully, hopefully you do. All right. Hopefully we do worship what takes place in your mind and your heart each week. But it's more about what goes on in your mind and your heart than the quality of the singing. Or the sermon. And so that's what we want, because that's not the only time you can worship. You can worship in the morning when you're in the shower and you're you're thinking of your day. And it's it's a difficult day again. And you're like, God, help me get through this. Help me represent you. Help me to get my mind off of my troubles. Because you are so much more magnificent than that. And because you have promised that these troubles are only for a short time. And you've promised to make the world right. And you've promised for Jesus to come back. And you've promised me an eternity without these. So just help me to glorify you today in my life. And while you're standing naked in the shower, you are worshiping the Lord. And the same things takes place when you're facing husband and wife are facing a financial struggle, a financial challenge or a challenge with the children. And you come together and instead of being angry at each other or instead of being depressed or discouraged, you're saying what does Jesus want us to do here? What does Jesus want us to respond to here? or maybe it's you know we get the, especially with parents never in my life have i got the feeling of getting to of what it feels like to be god than when being a parent and i don't like it god can have that job Okay, But He's given it to me. I I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, my kids are not going the way I want. They're not doing what I want. Or they're going through a difficult time and they're thinking for themselves, God forbid. And they're making choices that I don't agree with and that I think are wrong. And that's what God faces with every human being on the planet. And I thought, I mean, in those moments I want to say, th- I thank God, God thank you for the, for the moment. I guess one of the, one of the, again, one of these moments I didn't recognize it as worship, but it was one of the most distressing periods of my time, of my life, and I'm going to bed, and I am being tormented by thoughts from the enemy of what's going on, and I am going to bed going, God, you're still Lord. This ain't the end of that story. The book of James tells me that I need to draw near to you and I need to resist the devil. And I know these thoughts right now are coming from him and I want to draw near to you. And instead of being discouraged or depressed, which I have a tendency to be, I am going to double down on my commitment to serve you and to trust you. I went to sleep that night worshiping. I went to sleep that night worshiping. So the first time in my life, now that i understand this even though i was doing it before i'm excited about worshiping <laughs> can i say that beyond an emotional frenzy from from singing beyond i'm excited about it you see guys worship should be the focus slash purpose of our gatherings Alright, that is, this is the lesson, sharing worship together. Sharing worship together. You see guys, that should be the focus of our, and when I say our gatherings, yes on Sunday mornings. Okay. Yes to our small groups. Okay. Yes when you are on the phone or texting or having coffee with whatever close friend who is also a believer in Jesus, okay. when you run into that other believer who goes to a different church, yes, they're out there, at work, the focus is to be on worshiping God. The focus is to be on bowing down before our King together. That is why we have each other. Look at this guys in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menane, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Guys, I love this passage because it's just simply said, I would have in the past read past the word worshiping and fasting. Would have talked about fasting. Worshiping I wouldn't have dug into. But guys, when is the last time you describe getting together with your small group or your friends, your closest friends who are believers in Jesus and you described your time together as worshiping and fasting. Guys, I just want want to say this. I believe with all my heart that whenever we are together, our focus needs to be on what does the King want? When we're sharing about a problem at work, The question ought to be raised by somebody hearing about it. What does Jesus want from you in that situation? What do you think glorifies God here? What do you think God is trying to teach you in that situation? Or you may be the one sharing and you you bring it up. I I don't know what God wants here. I, I don't want to learn this lesson that God is giving me here. But we are acknowledging that we serve a king that we have committed our lives to. And when we do that, and we reaffirm that commitment, guys, we are worshiping. That needs to be where our attention is brought. Another example of this, guys, is found in Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. This is the story, by the way, where they were asked to bow down to the idol and worship the false god, or another god, shall I say. And they were refusing, and the king said, if you don't do it, you're going to be thrown in the blazing fire. And this is what he, they go on to say. He says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and He will deliver us from Your Majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Guys, this is what God wants the focus of our gatherings and of our friendships to be of worship that says, there's no other God. I'm not going to bow down to my fear. I'm not going to bow down to my circumstances. I'm not going to bow down to my children, my spouse, my career. I'm bowing down to Jesus. I'm bowing down to Jesus. That's worship. And if one of you wants to burst out in song, I don't care what it sounds like. That's worship. And guys, I encourage you to think about that. And guys, for that to be your challenge. See guys, the most exciting thing to me about that conversation with Danny, walking that 30 yards, was that we were committed, more committed to the desires of our king than when we were to our own desires. That's what worship is. Guys, I have a challenge for you as I close out today. Very simple challenge. Leave it wide open. You want to go 40 days? You want to go 90 days. Call it your 40 days of worship. Sound familiar? We used to have all them 40 day programs. You don't get a book for this one, alright? You write the book. But you decide that, listen, I want to really pay attention to worshiping God for the next 40 days. Maybe... That time each morning, you want to call it quiet time, whatever you want to call it, where you're going to say, God, I'm serving you today. Open my eyes to see how I need to serve you today. Open my eyes to see how I want to serve myself. Open my eyes to see the difference of when I want to serve myself and when you want me to do something different. And I'm committing right now that I want to serve you. Guys, I want to encourage you too. If you're married, I just brought this up to my wife. I want to We need to do it. I said, we need to worship together every day. We need to come together and not just pray, but really be solid in, we're going to follow Jesus here. No matter what's going on, I want to follow Jesus. Guys, if you're, if you're not married, I challenge you to, 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 to worship every time you're with another believer. Maybe it's just a very simple, Jesus is King. Yes, He is. Let's keep following Him. Maybe it's as you're, you're parting ways and you say, remember the King. Or you say, keep the faith. Guys, you, there's, there's, there's no pattern here. There's no, there's no rule. There's no set way of doing it. Just focus on our allegiance to Jesus when you're together. I would love to see that. I would love to see here far more stories. About conversations, about how we calling each other to be more faithful in serving Jesus, in representing Jesus. Then I hear about sports. Then I hear about problems on the job. And especially when I hear about whatever TV show you're watching. Okay, Game of Thrones is the is the, is the focal point of that right now. Okay. If you're getting together with your friends, other believers, and Game of Thrones is your focus, it ain't worship. Okay? If you can twist it somehow or make it, I'm, I'm open to listening, but I'm probably going to go down on that's not worship. Guys, 40 days. Worship our God. Worship our King. Uh, if you're married, let your kids see you Worship. Again, you don't have to sing. It's okay to. (laughs) It's okay to. But let them see your commitment to honoring God in every aspect of your life, no matter what's going on, guys. That's what I want to close out today. So let's worship God, and you guys can continue to worship God. All righty, let's pray. Father, it is, it is exciting, God, to focus on You and to realize what You've done and what You're doing. Father, the story about Jordan, the homeless kid in the back, is just an amazing display of Your power when Danny trusted You. Father, it is a, it is a complete example of, the, of, of somebody being like the Good Samaritan and him continuing on the way the Good Samaritan left money for the man to be taken care of even after he dropped him off at the hotel Danny continues on helping this young man. And Father, I believe your power is being displayed. And Father, we want to offer him up right now that, that it doesn't end with just him being clean and getting a job and getting a home. Father, that he knows you. That he knows you. Father, that's our desire. Not just to represent you with a full belly and sobriety, but to represent you through him becoming a follower of you. And God, I praise you for his girlfriends seeing your power after she prayed. Father, and we we hold her up as well. But Father, I pray right now. It is my deepest desire that, that Greater Alton is known as a place of worship and that we are known as people of worship through our constant commitment And encouragement to each other to stay true to our desire to serve Jesus our King and to represent Him in any and every circumstance that we come in. Father, there are so many opportunities once we open our eyes. Father, problems become opportunities. And Father, we are able to be excited in painful situations. We are able, as the song says, to praise You in the storm when we see what You're doing And take our focus off what we want and what we're trying to do. And just to get out of the way and let you work. Father, you are the only God. You are the Lord of Lords, the God of God, as you have said. And Father, we are committed to following you. And it's in our King's name and power that we ask this. Amen.